This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 231 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. What your farrier wants you to know. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. This week's show is sponsored by Equestrian Collection and TheBarnWorks.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop I'm Glenda Geek And I'm Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena how you doing this week? Good, good, good. It's been uh, good so far this year, uh, especially here in Florida. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we've been having a good time down here and enjoying no snow. Enjoying? I know. I saw that your wife had to go on a beautiful hunter pace the other day, and the weather looks fabulous. It was the first ever Horse Radio Network hunter pace team. <laughs> Her and Wendy from the from the driving radio show went out and uh, represented the horse radio network, and neither one of them uh, ended up in the dirt. That neither one of them had dirty pants, so we were proud. <laughs> no dirty pants. That's, <laughs> that's every rider's goal. No that's dirty right. pants. I don't. Um, we didn't win anything, but that's fine. No. Somebody had once said to me. We talked about, I think I had said the, the very term, dirty britches. And someone said, what a great name for a horse, dirty britches. <laughs> that would be a good name, actually. <laughs> I think I've a had a couple horse. of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An ex-thoroughbred. Um, you know, ex-racing thoroughbred. So hold on a second. So Jen and Wendy go. They, they Both their, their britches stay clean. They had the, I need Wendy's horse right there. What's his name? Duke? Duke. Yep, yep. Oh my God! He's Only a veterinarian's cutie. horse can look like that. He is. Uh, he is a very and 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 Jennifer said he's cute. He's half Arab, half. Uh, uh, they call him a sport cob. He's cob sized and he's half Arab and half uh, warm blood. And he wow. uh, he he's very striking. And all our horses that all those sport cobs are very striking. And she said the entire way around the course, people kept stopping her and asking her about her horse. So. Oh, I, I I was like my tongue rolled out of my mouth. And, like, I he is a cutie. Horse. He's a cutie. Wow, and in such like good health and yeah, he's a looker. All right, perfect yeah. for Wendy. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, the two of them make a good couple. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So she said, Beaker got our horse, got no attention whatsoever. Just a plain redheaded quarter horse, and uh, yeah, Duke got all the. And that trace clip wasn't wasn't quite enough, huh? No. <laughs> And not quite straight either. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, we've had some funny clips in our time. I remember some really scary ones at Myopia. <laughs> well, and she had the clippers that weren't quite full size. So <laughs> by the time she was done, even with the trace clip, it was the, the blades were dead. And, you know, so it was one of those one of those clip jobs. But he needed it. It's, it's, it's still pretty warm down here, uh, you know, at 85 degrees. And he's got his full winter coat because he's not used to Florida yet. So. 
Yeah. How long do you think that takes? Does Jen know? Uh, well, according to my brother, whose horse has been here now two, three years, this is the third winter. She she is finally starting to not get the full winter coat. All right, that's so, not too bad. So two that's or three bad. years, and he'll be he'll be fine. <laughs> In the meantime, he's out there going, I'm dying here. <laughs> so. Jen might have been the same way. When was the last time she hunter paced? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is true. It was fun. They had a good time. I was glad they got to do that. Okay. And this weekend, we're heading out to see Wendy again. Uh, near here in Ocala is uh, the uh, the show season for drivers starts. So we're going to go out and watch the driving trials where they do the, the dressage marathon and cones. And uh, it's not too far from here. And Wendy's going to be navigating for somebody. That's the crazy person that stands on the back. Yeah. Why do you think they're crazy? Oh, because it's just nuts doing that job. That's Why? a dangerous job. Because you can actually end up uh, hurt, getting hurt in that job, falling off and whacking. Can't you just jump out the back, though? Whacking That's what your I would head on the, on the obstacles. And, I mean, it, it, whacking uh, your head on the obstacles? Because they lean so far. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's stories about navigators getting hurt. Um, and, or, you know, they're in charge of making sure, too, that the carriage doesn't flip over. On those turns, so if they screw up, right. then they're all, their driver and them are under the carriage. They're like ballast. So, yeah, they're exactly. like ballast. That's yeah. exactly what they are. Yeah, they're moving ballast. So yeah, so that's fun. We're looking forward to going out and seeing a little marathon this weekend. Cool. It'll be a good time. Well, this we have a busy show planned for today, so let's get right to it. Uh, we have Kat from Eat Your Tart Out coming on with our monthly fun recipe for horse people. She Yum. is presenting easy-to-make uh, but yet tasty recipes that horse people can do after after getting done with the barn every evening. That's coming. She comes on once a month with us. And then we're going to the world of the farriers. We're going to be talking uh, to Jeremy McGovern, who's a senior editor for American Farriers Journal, about a about a uh, annual event they have coming up very shortly, and then also he got one of his farriers to come on here. His name is Dean. I think it's is it Moshe? Yeah, it might be Moshe, uh, and he is a farrier based out of Delaware, and he's going to tell us the ten things every farrier wants horse owners to know. So I'm excited to hear from those guys. They're always a lot of fun. And then we have our Tack and Habit segment where Coach Jen is joining us to tell us about a product that she used on the Hunter Pace and whether she got her approval or not. So, Oh, excellent. All of that's coming up. Let's start with Kat from uh, the Eat Your Tart Out blog with our food of the month. Well, hi, Kat. Welcome back to the show. I've been enjoying EatYourTartOut.com and, and all your posts over there on Facebook, but it, I think I've gained 10 pounds just looking at your posts. Well, I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy to be the one who is giving you all the extra weight gain. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, of course, you're, you're going to do a regular segment with us every month because all of us, you know, we, we, us horse people are only not only involved in horses. We have to eat. And right. at some point we have to cook. So, you know, a lot of us, uh, you know, I do the cooking. A lot of guys do the cooking in, in the, the horse women's lives. And that's my case. Uh, and so I enjoy this a whole lot. And you have a recipe for us that looks wonderful today. Yeah. Well, I think with us doing this segment on a regular basis, I'm trying to keep in mind, you know, what is the typical horse person's lifestyle look like? You know, typically they don't have a ton of time. You know, they're trying to throw something really yummy together. And this is for guys and girls. Like, I just want to create recipes that anybody can make, you know, regardless of your skill level, but that makes something really delicious, you know, for you and the entire family. So the recipe that we're going to talk about today is called Philly-style stuffed peppers. All right. Sounds wonderful. 
I, my mom yeah. used to make the, the traditional stuffed peppers that I think she got from her mom that were the rice and hamburgers, sort of. Yeah, yeah. and they had, like, tomatoes in them, and I just, yeah. I never liked them at all. They were just yeah, me, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I remember eating them when I was younger, and that's how I always remember stuffed peppers. And, you know, when you go to a Mexican restaurant, you get stuffed peppers as well, and those are pretty good. But, you know, I saw this on Pinterest. It was kind of a... It was a green bell stuffed pepper, and it had, like, a cheesesteak in the middle of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that looks amazing. And I kind of decided I wanted to make it my own, but make something that's really easy and really tasty, you know, especially for the horse people that don't have a lot of time, you know, during the week. And it's really, really simple. You just basically are taking a green bell pepper. You're slicing it in half. You're taking out all the seeds. And then you're putting the insides filled with, you know, whatever you like. And that's the beauty of what I kind of put in my blog post is, is that you can do anything from steak to mushrooms to onions to garlic to cheese, cheese, and more cheese. Or for somebody who might be a vegetarian, you can opt to leave the steak out and you can add all sorts of different things like mushrooms or maybe a stir-fry mix. So I really tried to cater this for everybody's taste. And a lot of it is, is if you just got stuff that goes well with a pepper, you can throw just about anything in it, top it with cheese, and put it in your oven, and you're set to go. So it's really easy. And so let's go over it real quick. Yeah. Um, so basically, my general recipe that I kind of went with it is just you're using your peppers. You have a little bit of olive oil that you're going to use to simmer some garlic, onions, and mushrooms in. The steak hopefully is already cooked already um, because you don't want to throw the raw steak in there um, in the pepper once you bake it. So I just, you know, for this recipe, it's already pre-cooked. So you combine the steak with the mushrooms, onions, and the garlic, and then you stuff that in the peppers. You what put do you a layer probably cook it to about medium, maybe, the steak? Yeah, you cook it um, for about 15 minutes. It's not very long because what you're doing is the bottom of the pepper, you actually layer a piece of cheese in there and then you put your steak and your mushrooms and all that in there. Okay. And I usually wait because I found that when you put the cheese, the top layer of cheese in there already, it kind of melts off and you don't get it on top of your um, your pepper as much as you would like it. So I found that, you know, you just do the bottom layer of cheese and the steak. You cook it for about 15 minutes at 350. You pull it out. You top it with another piece of cheese. You do it for an additional 15 minutes and then you broil it and you're done. Okay. And so you've got Worcestershire sauce in here, you have steak sauce in here, you have red pepper flakes, so it should have some zing to it. Yes, and that's why I said a lot of this is optional. Some people might say, you know what, I don't want to put the steak sauce in there, but I might have teriyaki sauce. You can absolutely kind of cater this to what your needs are and what you like as you know with your steak. And so that was just kind of the beauty of it. But it gives it a little bit of zing, as, you're, as you said, just so you amp up the flavor a little bit, because there's not very many ingredients in there at all. No, basically, you've got your steak, you've got uh, onion, uh, mushrooms, and cheese. I mean, one. other than your spices, you don't really have a whole lot of anything else. Uh, no, but that's most people, they find that their steaks actually taste better when they just season them with salt and pepper. And that's kind of why I was keeping it so basic in this one, too, is, is that it's just it's so basic. And it's very simple for anybody to throw together. You don't need any special ingredients to put this together. Now I'm not a fungus guy, so I could just take out the mushrooms here and not and put something else in. Like I might take out the mushrooms in this case and put in some red peppers, um, right? You know, instead of mushrooms in this one, and you could have the steak and red peppers and the green pepper then too. Then you right. truly and do have a Philly cheesesteak. 
Exactly. (laughs) So that's why it's so fun because I just, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, now this kind of pepper isn't like, you know, your grandmother's stuffed peppers. You can really do a lot with this recipe and make it so it can be your own. Like I even said in some of the comments that I had in there, you know, if you wanted, you could put sun-dried tomatoes in there. You could choose different cheeses if you wanted like jalapenos to make it even hotter. Or if you want to make it a true Philly cheesesteak, you could use Velveeta. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know that old argument, which one's right, you know? Oh, it's so true. When I was in Philly, we definitely went to the two places. And it's hard because, you know, you have to get it. You have to order it a certain way, and it's either with provolone or with the cheese sauce. And, yeah, it's they're very, very, So which did you like better? Did you have a favorite? I had Gino's was my favorite. Yeah. So I, I did like that, and it was definitely with the cheese sauce. You have to kind of do it very honoring the Philly traditions of doing it that way. So. Well, and you know, that cheese sauce has to have so much MSG in it that it just makes you love it. But it tastes so good. I know. So it doesn't really matter. That's why chili cheese fries taste so good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is very good. Well, we'll post this uh, link on our Facebook page over at stablescoop.com. We'll post the recipe, and we'll also post it in our show notes as well. So... Uh, It'll be both places for the Philly-style stuffed peppers. And you can find this, if you want to see pictures, you can head over to Eat Your Tart Out, and that's T-A-R-T-E, out.com, and you'll find the Philly-style stuffed peppers there as well. And they do look absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you very much. And if any of your listeners and any of you guys who are listening in right now want anything, you need to create something special, if you have a special diet you want me to follow or you want me to use an ingredient for something, please feel free to reach out to me or to Glenn, um, and I will, you know, get something together for the next show. Very good. Thank you, Kat. We appreciate you being on again. It's eatyourtartout.com or search for Eat Your Tart Out on Facebook. Well, right after this word, Helena from Equestrian Collections, we have Jeremy McGovern, Senior Editor of America Farrier's Journal, and Jean, or Dean Moshe, I'm not even sure how to say his last name, we'll find out, and he is a farrier based in Delaware, Ohio, and he has a website called TheBalancedHoofAndHorse.com, and we're going to talk to those guys about, about uh, a number of things. <laughs> Hi, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from the Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. Hi, Glenn. Um, this week, I want to feature the Winter Cozy Helmet Cover. Everybody out there probably already has a fleece helmet cover, but they don't have one like this. This is just the cutest thing. They've taken the, the basic design, the lycra part goes over the helmet. Um, a lot of the fleece covers used to be fleece all the way around. This is much easier to get on your helmet. It's a lycra, like most of the helmet covers, you know, regular helmet covers. And then it's got the fleece that comes around and Velcros around your chin. You can also pull it up if you want to a little bit. But the difference is that they have colors. Instead of always being black, these come in a whole bunch of fun colors, and the kids love them. At the barns, they're just, for thirteen ninety five. they are just a really fun thing, and the kids like to wear them in the winter, and it will get them out to ride a little bit more if they're not so cold. So um, I have one, <laughs> so I thought maybe your listeners might enjoy these as well. So it combines, really combines a helmet cover with a scarf. 
<laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Only better because it it, it uh, velcros, so it doesn't slap around or anything. Really easy to get on and off. Um, I actually got one for my trainer for a a, pre- a Christmas present because he keeps wanting me to build an indoor, and I can't do that. <laughs> so I got him one of these, and I said, "Here's your indoor." <laughs> <laughs> Here's your thirteen ninety five indoor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> these are thirteen ninety five. They're called the Winter Cozy Helmet Covers from Equestrian Collections. Just go to a EquestrianCollections.com and do a search for Winter Cozy and you'll find them. Well, hi, Jeremy and hi, Dean. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi there. It's good to have you both on. Let's start with you, Jeremy. You're senior editor of the American Farriers Journal and I I will say that... Well, I got to ask a question first. Let's start with this question with you guys, because it's been a burning thing on our shows here on the Horse Radio Network for the last two years. And that is, Jeremy, could you say the word H-O-O-F for me, please? (laughs) I'll I'll shoot it, but but I am from Indiana, so I, I get criticized here in Wisconsin. I'll say hoof. Okay, and and now, Dean, how do you say that word? Yeah, hoof. See, I say hoof, and and uh, my co-host uh, on the morning show every time says it's hoof. It's not hoof. So yeah. even you two disagree. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I'm tomato, sober now, tomato. Too. It may change later. Is there an? I've been, hang- I've been hanging out with a British farrier, so there's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're the American Farriers Journal. Is there an official pronunciation of that word? No, 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 but that'd make a great article. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, just it might, give me it credit, It might give okay? me more trouble than doing barefoot versus shod, though. <laughs> well, actually, actually, Glenn, I will share a story with you. This was actually a $60,000 question once upon a time on who wants to be a millionaire. Really? And, and, the, and the question, of course, was, what does a farrier do? And of the four answers, of course, one of them being correct was crosses boats, makes furs, and polishes rocks. Um, the person gets polishes rocks. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that would also be dependent on whether you said farrier or furrier rather than farrier. Well, I, I went to the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, and they have this little icon that you can click, and they'll pronounce the word for you. Yes. And the lovely woman there says hoof. 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 Ah. Wow. Yeah, she could be from, you know, Connecticut. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's, that, that's I, guess we're, I guess we're being upstaged by Webster. <laughs> I know. Like they know anything. Yeah, like they know yeah. anything about words. All right, they Jeremy. create words and put them in the dictionary. <laughs> now, now that we haven't solved that age-old question, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, what, uh, what is the American Farrier's Journal? And tell, tell us about that. Sure. We uh, publish eight times a year. Essentially, we're, we're a, uh, a trade publication for farriers. Uh, roughly in U.S. and Canada, there's about 30,000 from our estimate uh, farriers. Is there really both, that many? Yeah, both wow. full and part-time. Of course, you know, I, I think uh, it, it is an industry that has a high attrition rate. Um, but, but we do everything with our publication from, I think, practical business advice into the latest research, uh, new ideas, uh, alerting people about new tools, uh, better use of tools, um, anything that, is, in essence, goes into a farrier's business. And now, did you have a background in farriering? 
No, no. no. Uh, when people ask me if I if I'm a farrier, I'll say how how lame do you need them? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm my background is journalism, ag journalism. Oh, okay. Well, then you're in the, you're in the right place. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and we're glad you're not working on our horses then. Uh, <laughs> yes. What did you call it, Glenn? For farriering? Farriering. I don't what, know. What's to... the proper term? Well, it's hoof care because no, does a farrier necessarily have to shoe horses, or is like uh, my horses just get trimmed? They don't actually wear no. shoes, no. so I call no. her a hoof care specialist. But could yeah. I technically call her a farrier? She actually, yeah. she actually is, Helene, and that's absolutely correct. We've, we've had a lot of uh, terminology crossover uh, that needs to cross over now as we get into um, some folks uh, get out there and uh, start promoting more of the barefoot trimming and the importance of a trim, uh, regardless of whether that horse is shot or not. Um, but anytime really they're picking up a foot, collectively we're all farriers at that point, whether or not there's metal involved. Some, in fact, um, we have many uh, composite-type shoes that are out on the market as well. Um, that uh, will glue on or nail on too. So it, it's not about metal anymore. And you right. know, we used to say on so many levels. You used to say blacksmith, but now we've kind of changed that. You know, dating back to the 1800s, we've kind of changed that because the blacksmith also made essential, useful things for the household out of metal. Right. And, and, and correct. It, yes. There, You're there absolutely correct. Are, one. Yeah. There still are blacksmiths, but a blacksmith is not necessarily a farrier, and vice versa. Absolutely. You have that definition at 200% correct. I explain that to clients a lot when, when they do refer to me as a blacksmith, and I'm, I'm really not a blacksmith. So that, that actually leads to a bigger, that opens a huge can of worms here, and I'm going to go there. <laughs> Glenn's like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh. There goes so, the show. <laughs> shh, shh. We have so many um, pieces of equipment that we use for riding and training and caring for our horses that just have not changed in hundreds of years. A lot of it is metal. But Technology is, it's, it, it comes to the horse world slower than it comes to other worlds. Um, but I do see this, like we have new materials, we've got composites, we've got all different kinds of pads now for horses. What do you see as being the most um, effective or, or the types of products for horses' feet that have made the greatest inroads into such a conservative industry? Uh, my answer for that would be the... Uh, uh the Equithane line products from uh, VetTech, um, their line of uh, polyurethane products have really uh, changed some of the ways that we uh, glue on, uh, uh, do repair work, um, pad the bottom of a foot. Um, so I would say collectively that, that group is, as, uh, as a whole. And, and we have some sideline side groups to that as well, but the VetTech probably I would say would be the, the forerunner in that. And Jeremy, yeah, yeah. You, you've obviously uh, had articles about that. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I agree. I, you know, it is uh, it's dangerous ground for me to tread on because, <laughs> you know, may get the advertisers uh, angry. But, no, absolutely. I think with what we've seen in adhesives has been such a tre- tremendous advance, and not only in, in attaching shoes, but also in, in what we're doing with uh, rebuilding a uh, hoof wall and, and giving more, more area to work with. Now, you guys do, at the uh, American Farriers Journal, you have a, a meeting that you do every year and have been doing it for quite some time. Tell us about that. Yes, the International Hoof Care Summit. It's held every, every year toward the end of uh, January, early February in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and we bring together about 800 mostly farriers, uh, but some equine vets, vet techs, and really the, uh, the whole mission is uh, hoof care. Uh, we get together for four days and 
there's general sessions and classrooms and, and discussions that we'll have and cover really the whole gamut of hoof care, um, you know, anywhere from uh, tackling certain writing disciplines, some of the research uh, going on throughout the world. And it, it really is, like I said, an international event. We had uh, farriers from uh, 41 different co- countries last year and uh, a wide representation from the United States, of course. Yeah, this is different. This is an educational thing. It's a little different than, than a farrier competition. I, I was able to do a show. I did a show live at uh, one of the farrier competitions in Kentucky. I think it was a national farrier competition. That's a little bit different because there they're, they're competing on their skills. Here, this is an educational thing. Correct. It's all education, no uh, no competition at all, although maybe some competition and in, in how guys will argue. I'm sure there's some competition. <laughs> that's, all, that's only in the bar. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and there's always one nearby. <laughs> <laughs> the last lecture is actually held in the bar, by the way. <laughs> it, it's absolutely amazing. It, it, it is actually absolutely amazing, though, the, the way that the, the, um, the Hoof Care Summit is structured. It is extremely learning intense. Um, with PowerPoint presentation and, and even we're adding some hands-on things uh, this year that um, it, it's amazing that with that schedule running late, those couple of nights, literally everyone does get up and they go down to the bar and, and it continues. And you know it's a farrier uh, 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 event when around midnight last year, I know Alice has got the, the photographs to prove it, and that is x-rays broke out. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's like geekdom to the nth degree. I love oh, that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought he was going to say, you know, it's a farious convention at the bar when they're all a little hunched over. Um, no, no. No, we start standing up straighter then. <laughs> yeah. No, they're thrilled not to have to sit any longer in the, the seats in the general session. <laughs> have you found this to be, you know, there with 30,000 farriers out there, um, have you found... Have you found over the years, Jeremy, that farriers are wanting, are getting more interested in learning more, are they, or, or, or has it gone the other way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you could look back and, you know, this, um, the, uh, the main or- organization in the United States is the American Farriers Association, uh, started by uh, Walt Taylor. And, and at that time, I think it was, it was a very different thing where you would show up at, a say, a riding barn and you know, the other farrier there would maybe fold up what he's doing and, and leave or kind of cover up. And it's a very different world now. Farriers are very interested in sharing information. Uh, we certainly couldn't put on a, a conference like this without um, guys like Dean who, who are, are very interested in sharing what they learn and are more willing to learn from others. It's no longer, you know, this is the way I learned it from, from my dad who learned it from his dad. Yeah, and, and Jeremy's absolutely right with that, and it, it's been a, a wonderful evolution for me over these years as well from, from coming to those first events, you know, being the, the more of the meek one in the corner trying to absorb all that information, and now um, I'm starting to assume more of a mentor role now myself and in, in, in helping others now. So it's, it's been great to, to continue that. You, Dean and, and Jeremy both, you've, you've seen new new. new- people coming into this profession all the time what do you th- what is the the one thing that they are most surprised about and are you know sort of shocked about when they actually get in and doing this for a living well if, if i can go first i i go ahead yeah oh uh, what what it typically is is how much business is actually involved 
whether they were apprentice or went to a shoeing school or both, uh, they, they get a fairly good education on on the practices of farrier, on the mechanics. Um, but so much of this, you know, as Dean said earlier, how hard is it to return a phone call? But that seems to be, you know, a, a real problem for a lot of farriers is just general business sense. And I yeah. think that, that, that's something that a lot of farriers really struggle with early on. Absolutely, and, and this is where uh, venues such as the um, Hoof Care Summit are, are so valuable because you need to understand how diverse the topics are that are covered there. I mean, we're talking about not only some of the basics but some uh, or in-depth basics, but we're talking about therapeutics, but we're also going there. We're talking about the business and, and the weaknesses that farriers are going to have in that area um, down to um, we, have, um, we have actually um, – for several years had a, a lawyer come in and speak to us as well, even about uh, um, whether it, we're talking about uh, getting the proper insurance or liability insurance to um, disability factors, um, you know, things that we just normally as a profession just, just don't give, give, uh, give a thought to during our day. Well, that's a good time for um, these things to be covered at the conventions as well. Do you have seminars at these annual meetings, like things that cover business topics? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dean mentioned the attorney. Uh, it's Jamie Cooper. She uh, practices law in Houston. Uh, her husband, Matt, is a uh, farrier as well. So she's very much in tune to, to the oh, the legal needs of a farrier. Um, I, you know, I have to be careful how I word this. Her, her lecture this year is when the blank hits the fan, <laughs> yeah. what, what, yeah. what you need to do when, when you need a farrier. Uh, and th- it's a you know, last year it was uh, she covered a topic regarding things you needed to take care of before you die. So, um, yeah. you know, both the legal needs are, are very important, but we also have some other ones. Uh, Dave Dawson, who's a very successful farrier from Ontario, has an interesting title lecture of how to become a million-dollar farrier. And uh, his his approach is what business skills do you need if you want to achieve the highest level as a farrier. Well, you know, and, and it's just like any other any other business. Being a farrier, you're in the customer service business. You're not in the horse service business. You're in the customer service business. Absolutely. Oh, and we all are. I mean, we, those of us that have owned large boarding stables, we weren't taking care of horses. We were take the horses were easy. Is yeah. the people that were a problem, and and there are just some good ones and some bad ones in every industry. I mean, it's just the way it is. But they're, no, you know, they're trained right. here, too. The, the passion and the training is all focusing on the care of the horse. And uh, this sure. happens a lot in the equestrian industry in general, whether you're training or you're taking care of horses' feet or even for veterinarians, there's that element of business that's missing. I mean, some of the – I call them kids, but some of these up-and-coming business owners, um, they're starting – they're coming from college backgrounds first with, with degrees in business. And then they're sort of marrying their expertise in horse care with that. But there really isn't some kind of organized um, business training, either for farriers or for, you know, trainers or riding instructors. You have to kind of go to your individual um, professional organization. And, but in which case there is one. The American Farriers Association does help with that, right? Yes. Yeah, there's also the uh, – there's a few organizations. And another key one is uh, – uh, the American Association of Professional Farriers. Um, they do a terrific job and are supportive of, of education, too. Um, but, yeah, in, in fact, many of the farriers today that I, that I meet that are, are successful have come from a previous career, um, and it is anywhere ranging from 
uh, computer IT all the way up to uh, to things uh, involved in the equine industry. Uh, you know, the, the interesting thing is when I, I was out with a farrier one time, and um, it was a very nice day. And he said, I feel sorry for you because, you know, the weather's great here, and we're out here driving, and you you go home and you're stuck in an office and you have to report to a boss. I said, well, you know, being in Wisconsin, going back in January, I'll, I'll agree to the weather thing. However, he has more bosses than I do. Yeah, so I, every customer. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, and I think, Dean, you'll back me up on this, uh, uh, you, ha- at the end of some days, because one of the things that we have noticed over the years is that horse women especially love to puke all over the farrier's and I, what I mean is in a psychological fence, uh, or mm-hmm. psychological yeah. way. In other words, every problem they have had for the last, since they saw you the last time, you're going to hear about. Um, yes, and, and my joke to them is that they have to pay me for the farrier work, but the Fraser part is free. <laughs> where, where, why, how do you think that began? Why is it that women feel so comfortable telling all their life secrets to farriers? Well, you again, are so again, treading on thin ice. I, I, know, I know, but but Helena, I am going to go there a little bit, and I'm going to say, you know, back to our customer I service. I set him up thing, for that and, one, and you're, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, we we need to, as an industry, understand, and this is where I think that some of the barefooters have have gotten a hold because a lot of the the folks calling themselves host technicians are women, and women communicate well with women, and we need to understand that at least ninety percent of our clientele are women. We have to communicate well with them. That is, that's a very important, just as important a skill as the shoeing. Because if I cannot convey to my owner what I'm doing, how I'm doing, and and doing it, and why I'm doing it, it does not matter what I do to that horse or that foot. If it if there's miscommunication, there's not going to be the trust factor there. That's amazing. <laughs> and there's women all over, all over our. Oh my gosh! Right yeah. Now, like. Communication yeah. check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they're looking married. for in their check. husband. What are you talking about? Yeah. I know. Yeah, it, but it's so, true. It's so that's just being. Yeah, so that just being that part of that communication. You know, it's uh, you know, understand too. You know, part of the the reason that you know, as Glenn pointed out, you know, these women do tend to to vent and unload is that you know we're in that barn atmosphere. We are away from the office, and and we're away from that those stresses that they have at the office, and they do come to the barn to unwind. So, you know, we need to be cognizant of that as far as uh, in our barn atmospheres. You know, we all know of barns that there's barn drama at. And, you know, folks don't like, you know, some of the owners don't like to congregate at those barns because they go to, the, to there to relax when they're unable to. So that's just part of the, the decompression part of the, of the day. Well, and right, you're right. The barn is a, uh, for a lot of people, it's their recreational space. It's your professional yeah. space. So they are going to be more at ease in talking and engaging you in a sort of semi-social way. And But also, you know, like you said, women are very communicative. So whether they're talking, like for me, when my farrier comes, I'm having a conversation about the health of the foot. What did I do? You know, what have we done since the last trim? What kind of work are we doing? What's changed? What's, you know, six weeks has gone by. And honestly, you know, those feet are the most important part of that animal. So yeah, you want to wait. Right. So you kind of want to make sure that what you're doing is that everything's copacetic. And sometimes that takes, 
a verbose conversation. And there's also a lot of hot farriers out there, and we all know uh, there's whole websites for that. So, yeah, uh, I, I heard about that one on Facebook yes. that's uh, dedicated to farrier's butts. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I have to admit that we, we helped pr- uh, propagate that one. So, so. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I actually had a farrier friend of mine that, as you know, on Facebook, um, you can like you know the certain pages, and then it comes up that you like you know, the certain page. And, and I had a farrier friend that decided to like that farrier's butts page on Facebook. And I said, you do understand it now says that Chris likes farrier butts. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who doesn't? Before we run out of time, I want to get to the, and Dean, oh, by the way, this conference coming up, where can people find out more about it? Uh, They can come to our website, AmericanFarriers.com or IHCS 2013. And uh, it'll give them all the information on, on the agenda, uh, how to register uh, next year's event, as well as uh, um, the hotel and everything that you need to know when you when you arrive in Cincinnati. And that's coming up on January 29th of this year, of this month, a couple weeks. Uh, Correct. This will, will be this year's. All right. Thank you for that, Jeremy. Now, Dean, before we run out of time, we have to hear the 10 things every farrier wants a horse owner to know. And I know that goes the other way, too, but we're going to stick with this one today. Yes. Okay. So I sort of got my David Letterman top ten list here of all things. I don't have any music. Now, the first one. The, <laughs> yeah. The, the first one's actually sort of for you, Helena, because you were just touching upon that, and that was top ten. Be observant. Um, you can prevent shoe loss if you see that uh, you've got a shoe that's sprung. You can certainly uh, observe for foreign bodies in the foot, hoof cracks, major chips, that sort of thing. One of the things that's ironically been new this year, even though it's old old technology, is now I encourage those clients when they do observe something to take a snapshot with their cell phone and and send it to me because they're all worried and upset that they've got something going on. And in an instant, I can can use my farrier eyes to say, eh, no big deal. See you next appointment or I'll be right over. So that's my number 10. Number nine. Make sure that if your horse does have any behavior problems or a range of motion issue that you let your farrier know before the work begins. I can't tell you how many times I've had owners say after I'm done working on the horse, wow, he's never stood like that before. Well, that would have been useful information. (laughs) Number eight, you might want to consider exercising your horse before the farrier arrives. It can make an older horse more limber and a feisty one, uh, younger one, calmer. Uh, and it helps keep both the farrier and the horse in the upright and locked position. All right, hold on. I, I have to say that I thought that I knew what I was doing when it came to being a good client. Never even thought of that. So simple. Never, ever yeah. thought of that. Cannot wait to do it. And not that my yeah. horses are bad, but I love the idea yeah. of limbering up an older horse. Absolutely. I ha- we actually have some of my ones. Now, I'm all, I've gone all computer on in my farrier business that we've actually got some horses sort of bookmark that. We need to. We need to even remind the owner when we um, when I uh, text them the night before that you know make sure to get you know Frosty out you know half an hour before I get there and and you know make sure you're ready. We had a I had a Hackney pony that was a roadster pony, and cool. you know, you, well I, I I got him saved him is what I did and oh uh, okay you know what they're like after going through the training they go through yes and he used to stand up on two feet the entire time the farrier was there. So I used to get the reminder the day before. We used Kava Kava on him, and it really worked for him for when the farrier came out. And so I used to get that reminder the day before. Remember the Kava Kava soup or Kava yeah. Kava tea in the morning? So he used to get tea that morning. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. 
All right. Uh, number seven, uh, provide, our, provide us with the best shoeing environment possible. This means a barn with an open, quiet aisleway, free from obstructions. Uh, dogs are, do not count as bonus objects. We'd like to have those out of the way as well. And hopefully that area is, uh, we need that area flat and uh, hopefully matted, but it's got to be well lit. I, I don't shoe in Braille. So um, easy access to the shoeing truck is a bonus with this. Um, when you consider how many trips back and forth I may have to make to the truck and back to your horse. And I, it's really bad when I have to run a marathon just working on a couple horses. So that's a consideration. Oh, and you're too. in Delaware too. You get all the mud. Yeah, God, we have mud season. Speaking of that, we're down to number six, which is have your horse caught, clean, and ready at the appropriate time. Uh, have the feet cleaned and picked out. Muddy or wet uh, feet and legs are, are, I kid you not, they're like trying to hang on to a greased pig. So some of these folks think they're helping me out by spraying off the horse. And, and if they had done it previously that we could have dried the horse, that would have been helpful. But um, you know, muddy feet are just an absolute mess. And they're also not only, um, hard to hang on to, they're extremely hard on our tools. Um, nothing is worse for our farrier tools than, um, uh, the, uh, any sand, dirt, um, any, any clinging, uh, mud or dirt is just, uh, really hard on the nippers and the rasp. How many people don't have their horses in and ready to go when you show up? What would you say the percentage is? Well, that, that's, that's a loaded question because I have my owners well-trained yeah. because, my, I do provide very good customer service and my clients will can set their clocks by me. Um, so my owners are ready to go and, and, uh, they, they, they expect me to be on time. I am on time and I expect them to be ready. So, so it's a two way street. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if, um, you know, you've got a good relationship with that farrier and you know, he's going to be there, then, then absolutely. You know, it, it, I can, it's easier for me to respect your time when you respect my time. Very good. So, number five, uh, do not turn any horses out while the farrier is working on the horse. Horses are herd animals. Think of them as Christmas lights. When one grow out, they all should go out. <laughs> okay. Number four, do not feed any of the other horses in, in the barn while uh, the farrier is working on, this partic- on a single horse. You, too, get wiggly when you're at the restaurant, and, you, and after you've ordered and that food arrives, and you see it coming, and it, 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 it goes to the next table. So. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think about uh, no. that. Do you think about that, Alina? No, I no, didn't. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's actually quite a, quite, a, quite a big one. The horses get really wiggly when that happens. So uh, number three, we're down to number three. Uh, do not feed him treats in an effort to make him stand still. You are not a treat vending machine. Ooh, then they that's got to be a tough one. People love to do yeah. that. Yeah. I know they do. And they do start getting really wiggly because they'll start uh, leaning towards the owner and even whether that horse is tied. And then, and then if you're hanging on to them, sometimes they'll just sort of, they'll start coming towards you so much that now I'm starting to chase them around the barn. So now we, we really need him. He needs to concentrate on what I'm doing with him, not so much on the owner. And I got to tell you what's made it worse. And I'm sure Helena, you found this too, because did you get some stud muffins, Helena, this year? We we had a sponsor sponsor by the name or Stud Muffins was our one of our sponsors. Yeah, I just gave some away for clients as Christmas presents. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're awesome! The horses go crazy for them though; they'll kill for those yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, we're down to number two. Although I do have a bonus here beyond number one. Number two is uh, please do not groom your horse while the farrier is working on him. I can't tell you how many times I've left the barn looking like a yeti. 
and yeah. yes, it's happened. And then they get to the, the owner gets to the other side of the horse and they see you covered with dirt, grime and hair. And they're like, Oh, I, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do that before. I, I, Number I'm, one. A little, I'm a little stunned that somebody would actually groom their horse while there was a person under it. Okay. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, that happens. It happens <laughs> okay. more than you think. Number and number one, stay on a regular schedule. Uh, many problems can be prevented with solid routine maintenance. You know, just as it would be with your vehicle. Uh, lack of playing on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my end. I mean, when I have a full book and and I have an owner that hasn't stayed on my schedule, and you know now they want to get back in. I mean, it's going to be at least a two week wait. I, I can't I can't just drop what I'm doing. So. And then my bonus uh, top 10 is uh, pay at the time of service. I mean, it, that's, that's a given. We're not banks, and there's just nothing more aggravating for us than having to chase down people do for you, money. Do you even do that anymore? Well, I mean, the you as a whole, not we're, you necessarily. We're ch- well, we're changing. You know, again, we're an evolving business. So, you know, while, while it is very traditional for, you know, folks to pay in checks, as we know with our online banking, um, this is at least how I've initially tackled this this year without having to go credit card just yet. Although I can tell you, you that's on the horizon one of those, for me as well. You could get one of those square dongles yeah. and be taking credit cards tomorrow. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's coming. I, I intend on uh, adding that service in April. But at this point, with some of my what I refer to as my paper owners, meaning that I never get to see them and some of my owners I don't even know. Um, again, all the, the invoicing now is done electronically now. So I encourage those folks to um, add me to their online banks as a payee because, you know, they've got the one in window open. They're reading the email. Click, click. Next window opens. They're online with the bank. Click, click. I'm paid. So um, so I'm actually in quite a few checks. I'm mailed in, in, uh, in that respect now. So that that's actually picked up the pace for some of those folks. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. about that whole square deal for, for you guys making it so oh, yeah. easy and very inexpensive, actually, to take yeah. credit yeah. cards right there at the house. You're, and many you're exactly are. right, Glenn. Uh, I was talking with one farrier who's been using Square for about a year now, and he said it cut down uh, his late payments by by sixty percent. The other ones, he said, just still hide in the barn, <laughs> trying to avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you you guys need a tracking dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get the payment. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good. That was a good list. I actually, I hadn't thought about a few of those, so I learned something on that list. I don't know about you, Alina, but... Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I was listening, like, enraptured. That list is going to be in the American Farriers Journal next month. Um, right, Jim? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. Thank you so much, guys. We've run out of time here. I really appreciate you both being on. Good luck at the uh, meeting this year. You've been a lot of fun. Will you come back again sometime? Absolutely. We love it. All right, terrific. Maybe maybe about twice a year we should have you guys back on because there's so much we could talk about. Uh, well, Jeremy comes. didn't get to use his punchline. He wanted to tell you he was a longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, you guys called me, so it didn't It, it didn't, just, no, it it didn't work. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. We appreciate you being thank on. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Sorry for having us. You're welcome. Bye-bye. The Barnworks is a small marketing firm which caters to equestrians. Whether you ride professionally, own or manage a boarding facility, sell horses, teach, train, show, or even sell retail goods, our business can help your business blossom. We offer services of all kinds, but what we do offer is focused on marketing your business in an efficient and effective way. Regardless of what creative marketing services you need, the Barnworks offers something that most other marketers don't, free consulting. That means if you don't know what you need or what will work best with your budget, 
We will sit down with you and figure it out together. No charge. Nada. Zip. Zero. And with over 20 years in corporate marketing experience, we have an idea about what works. And because we're fully immersed in the horse world, we know what works and what does not work in this crazy, wonderful industry of ours. Go to our website at www.thebarnworks.com. You can see samples of our work and find out how to get in touch. Or just send an email to email at thebarnworks.com. Do you have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact our account manager, Lisa, at 847-790-4476. That's Lisa at 847-970-4476. Or you can drop her an email at lisa at horseradionetwork.com. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Well, thank you, Helena. And now it is time for Tech and Habit. Well, for our Tack and Habit segment today, we have Coach Jen of the Horse Tip Daily Show with us, who's going to do a review on a product she used at the Hunter Pace over the weekend. Good morning, Coach Jen. Heidi Hody, I'm sorry. I'm a little distracted. I'm looking at all the really cool barn dog pictures on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page. I know. <laughs> well, now tell us what the product is and, and what you thought of it. I got to use my Christmas present this past weekend. I got a pair of um, field boots for Christmas because I had retired my last pair. They were just completely and totally worn out and they had to go bye-byes. And I had to find a pair of field boots that were economical because on a typical day-to-day basis, I don't wear boots to ride. It's Ocala, it's hot, and it's sandy. So I tend to wear uh, my boot-cut breeches and riding shoes. Uh, So I went to the local tack shop because I'm a pick-it-up-and-play-with-it buyer and I came across a pair of field boots marked 71, $71.95 in my size. So I thought, dang, got to try that. And lo and behold, I liked them. And they are the Tough Rider, oh, is it Tough Rider Starter Field Boots? That's correct. And yeah. the typical retail is in the $71 to $75 range, depending on where you buy them. And they are not made of cowhide. They are what some people refer to as pleather, and uh, and I love them. They fit great, and they're really soft and squishy, and they look nice. Yeah, they do. I, when you get two feet away, you can't. As a matter of fact, from a foot away, I couldn't tell they weren't leather. <laughs> so, 
Oh. And their back zip, which is, I like Helena, by the way, because I don't have to help take them on and off. <laughs> that was his first question. That's all he cared about. He didn't care if they fit. He didn't care how much they cost. When I came home and said I found a pair of boots, he said, do they have zippers? That's all I care about. <laughs> I love the price. Absolutely love the price. I mean, you, and so you never have to worry about them. Well, you know, the... I have to take precautions. I do not expect the zipper to be particularly robust. So I am careful not to abuse the zippers and they seem to be fine. Cause I wear them about once a week just to make sure that, you know, they stay broken in. Um, I do not expect them to last forever and they are a little hotter than a pair of leather boots would be. They don't breathe like leather does. Mm. Um, but they are much, 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 much more comfortable than a rubber boot would be. Because they're all stiff and crinkly. Um, but for $71, I would call these an excellent value. For $71, they're very comfortable and they have a nice fit and they're very stylish. Uh, the cut of the, the boot is very nice so that they're not overly bulky through the ankle. And they have the nice Spanish top. So it, it's, you know, it's a nice tall boot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so it's I'm, chic looking, chic mm-hmm. and affordable. Very affordable for a pair of boots under a hundred dollars. Way affordable, yeah. And okay. I, she didn't, she didn't complain about uh, having sore feet or blisters or anything, mm-hmm. which I was really expecting. You know how you get it when you get new leather boots? Uh, yeah, you, you, your break-in period is painful. <laughs> so yeah, these uh, were yeah, soft. These these were soft from when you first put them on. Yeah, especially when you like the back of your ankles, like around your Achilles tendon. That's the yeah. worst. Yeah. Or behind Ooh. your knee. You know, that's, we used yeah. to get complaints from, when we had our tack shop, people used to bring boots back. You could count on, if you sold leather boots, even good quality ones, mm. you know, you, two two weeks later, you were going to get a call or the people were going to show up and say, they don't fit, I'm, my leg hurts. And it's like, no, <laughs> you haven't broke them in yet. They don't uh, fit. <laughs> so, you know, they, they had to get over that initial pain. So we started warning people, you got two weeks of pain coming. So. <laughs> yeah. They didn't. They started. They like, and then manufacturers started making products to help you get over the pain, pain. of the break-in period. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> You're smart. See, it's there's the mad whole, Yeah, there's a whole submarket over pain relief. <laughs> I, th- I think the people who make uh, salty fast food joint French fries yeah. are in cahoots with the people who make uh, blood pressure medications. Sure, there. It's all a big conspiracy. <laughs> I want to give a prize to the person who invented zippers on boots and, and then the, the second person who said, okay, yeah, we'll go with that and hopefully they'll adopt it someday. Thank God. I yeah. just we, When we had our tack shop, uh, I, I was the one in charge of the boot section and had to help these women put on uh, tall boots without the zips. They didn't have zips back then. They just started coming in. And uh, my God, that was, that was hard work. You know, that was really hard. I mean, and getting them off sometimes because they always wanted sizes Ugh. that were smaller than they really should have had because you know, it's a woman no. thing. And uh, there was one day we could not get the boot off. We had to cut it. Uh, <gasps> yep. We just couldn't get it off her leg. <laughs> so it's like, oh, <laughs> oh. Then from every for forever afterwards, you kept a bottle of baby powder on hand, didn't you? <laughs> we did have a, a good stock of boot slip on. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we could have charged those people for chiropractic care. Yeah. yeah, you do. I mean, I've 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 been that person, like where, and especially after you're done riding, when your legs are all hot and sweaty and swollen, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you, you you can slip your boots. Like you go hunting in the morning, you're putting your boots on at six o'clock in the morning. Everything's all shrunk down. 
and smooth and cold. <laughs> and you spend three hours in the saddle and the sun comes up and now you're all hot and sweaty. That boots on for the rest of the day. It's not coming off. Now, you've lost a lot of weight. Do your tall boots even fit anymore? Um, no, my tall boots do too, not too fit. Too baggy. Too baggy. Um, but I do have a pair of the zip-ups. I have... They're schooling boots. They're the Volants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Volants. They're, they're schooling yeah, yeah. boots. I could probably wear them in the show ring, but I, I, I like an all leather or all just one material look, you know, whether it's pleather or leather. This has, the Volants have like panel, stretchy panels. And, and they have the red? Uh, things that, no, no, mine are all black. All black, okay. No. Because I think Jamie got the ones with the red on them and, you know, that are really set in a fashion statement. Yeah, that's a little too much for me. Wear them in the ring. Wear them in the ring. That's too... Live on the edge. That's, Come on. No, if she it's lives got, in New England. If, she can't do that. Well, wait a minute. Wait, hold, hold on. Hold on a minute here. <laughs> hold on a minute. Red pinstriping, no. But if I got a pair of boots with like sparkle or crystals, totally. If it sparkles, <laughs> I'm all over it. So you're, a, willing, you're willing to break the rules, but only if it, if it includes precious gems. Only if it makes me happy. I will break the rules if it makes me happy. Yes. Yes, that is no different than the way I live the rest of my life. There you go. <laughs> so I can, be, I need to bedazzle my new boots. Yes. That's, it. That's yes. it. Well, thank you, Jennifer. We appreciate you being on. It's the Tough Rider Ladies Starter Back Zip Field Boots. You can find them at equestriancollections.com. We'll put a link in our show notes to them on stablescoop.com as well. And as Jennifer said, these are affordable, $71.95. You could even get these, if you have a nice pair of leather boots for showing, you could get these for, you know, just bumming around and, and wearing every day. That would yep. that would work as well. And don't forget, you can find Jennifer over at horsetipdaily.com, producing uh, over 750 tips now in all facets of the horse world with all different kinds of, probably hundreds of different guests. So you can you can find her over at horsetipdaily.com. Thank you, Jennifer. See y'all. Thanks, Jen. Well, Helena, that's about it for this week. We've plain run out of time again. Uh, we'll be back again next week with uh, more great stuff. And uh, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's my <laughs> well, turn this time. Good. Usually you screw up the end of the show. but I always uh, screw up the end of the show. I was ready this time. I was looking at my notes. <laughs> Well, thank you. I hope you have a terrific week. I hope it stays somewhat warm up there for you. Yeah, we're having a little bit of a blizzard here right now, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know what, though? The days are starting to get longer already. You're, you're on the down. You can see the light. I am. My, my hands are gripping the sides of my desk chair right now. My knuckles are white, and I'm waiting, waiting impatiently for spring. Now, do you get to go, do you go out to the beach at all in the winter, or is it just too cold? Um, no, actually, we do. We spend a lot of time at the beach in the winter. It's a good time, especially after winter storms, it's a good time to go and look for sea glass and uh, other fun things. You just got to bundle up. and, you know, leftover waste. Uh, no. That, okay. that's, that's, that's isn't New that like York. Daytona Beach? That's New York. <laughs> no, that's Daytona Beach there, buddy. <laughs> New York. Yeah, you know. No, in, in New York, like buses wash <laughs> And 747. Yeah, and unfortunately, especially after this last hurricane, we shouldn't be picking on New York. No, uh, no yeah, yeah, they've had their share. Trust me, half of New Jersey is in the ocean right now. So. Yeah, that's sad. All right, well, thank you, everybody. We appreciate you being here. And, of course, you can listen to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And we'll talk to you again next week, Alina. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>